The time, 7pm. The date, March 31st. The podcast, well that is indeed flying sisters solo. I'm your host, Hugh Dunnett. We are back. I know, uh, this has been a month off a podcast that is supposed to be, re- be released bi-weekly. What can I say? I literally, I had a podcast recorded on the 7th of March. Including birthday songs for regular friends of the show, Harry Moss and Emmett Mammoth. I can only apologise. But as we all know, I sent a, f- a rather inflammatory diss track at Lewis John Lewis the last time this podcast was recorded. And, well, he sent the ops on me. He sent his best men, Larry Laryngitis and Bob Geruncle. Ah, uh, dangerous, dangerous mob. So they, they caught me at the lights and they fired 45 times on me before realising they were using the guns from the laser tag place at the Ozone. So I managed to escape with my life, but I have been in hiding ever since. So that's why you haven't got a podcast episode for a full month. Alright, that's that cleared. Also, you'll recall on the last podcast, or maybe you won't because it was legitimately a month ago, that uh, I was going off being ragey for Lent whirlwind success haven't haven't even looked at a person in anger especially not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after we lost a fucking FA Cup quarterfinal to Leicester we all know how we all know how little I care for the fuck all cup but that performance was a fucking disgrace and that wasn't technically being ragey I was just a bit I was just a bit upset you know also how could I be raging now? During the international break of all things. Everybody knows the international break. What a great time. Oh, those those international artists where we get to see the emerging teams. Norway have gotten good. That's the only international narrative of the last 25 years. Like, what the fuck? We know who the best teams are. Why are we doing a fucking qualifier? Do I really need to see fucking Italy beat Lithuania 4-0 tonight? No, I do not. Just fucking put them in the tournament and be fucking done with it. But we need to see how teams can progress. That's why San Marino need to still exist. Fuck off. They're never going to get any better. But Iceland got better. I don't give a fuck. They're still shit. Like, are we really saying that generational talent, Alfred from Boggesen, is going to really... He's he's a real fucking thumbs up for the international break to see the progress that Iceland have made in fucking perennial fantasy Premier League, Day Ruin or Gilfie Sigurdsson. <sighs> the international break is literally the most washed concept in all sports. And I've taken an absolute hammering on the bets. Another reason why I haven't done a podcast is... Because Cheltenham was on. And I was in a state of mourning, not only for most of the horses I gambled on that week, but for my own bank balance. It was a bad week. Uh, it was looking great until the Friday. And unlike last year, I didn't get Lewis Dell on my horses. So I can't blame him. It was just a fucking... It was a bad wee day on Friday. That I ended up tanking what could have been a, a reasonably profitable enterprise. What else has been going on in sports? Well, truth be told, an absolute fuckton. The Brooklyn Nets are now the greatest team of all time. Francis Ngannou took Stipe Miocic's head off. 
Jake Paul's fighting Ben Askren fucking two weeks and Ben Askren is living rent free in Jake Paul's head we've got Nate Diaz is fighting Leon Edwards Conor McGregor is doing things in the background Tom Doherty won not one but two events at the World Series of Bowling making him a surefire favourite for the Chris Schenkel player of the year but was it just home advantage it wasn't his home lanes I don't know I'm hoping that trip two pin in the World Championship final I don't know it'll live through the ages if I was Jacob Buttruff I'd be rightly aggrieved my pick for the Chris Schenkel player of the year Chris Prather he won the Roth Holman doubles with his with his partner Anthony Anderson and he also made two more shows he's not out of the run yet the CDL is running in full force I'm still trying to get in a team this is also going to be one big audition to see if I can get on the flank with Zuma and Methods this week god those guys might be doing a podcast better than me they're just so knowledgeable in the game it's almost as if they're two truly elite players on it but yeah professional Call of Duty is, is back I've lost a lot of money on both search and destroy map handicaps and DraftKings lineups and that's fine because I've had a great time watching it what else has been going on in the sporting world Manchester City are they're pretty good they're they're pretty good however once again Pep Guardiola gets outmanaged by a PE teacher what can I say I have no I, I have no explanation for it I have no explanation for it it's every single time we always score within like the first five minutes it doesn't make any sense it's literally we score in the first five minutes they literally break our fucking house down for the last 30 minutes of the game we somehow get away scot free I love the game. What else has been going on in sports? Yeah, in Ghana. Wow. Just wow. Like, it will have to rank somewhere very highly in terms of KOs and title fights. It was absolutely unbelievable. And people saying like, well, I say people, it's basically sports center fucking dorks who don't watch UFC going, one punch is all it takes. He won the first round. He won the first round rather convincingly. He was... Like... Executed the game plan perfectly. Was great takedown defence. The circle in the first round was unbelievable. And obviously... He has the power to send a man to Mars. John Jones is quaking in his little fucking boots. Unbelievable. I'm very excited. Darren Tills out of his fight with Marvin Vittori today. That is... Maybe it was yesterday. Very, very unfortunate. However, that had to be sacrificed to the MMA gods so we could get Leon Rocky Edwards fucking beating Nate Diaz into oblivion. He's going to make him a red paste on the side of the octagon and it's going to be absolutely fucking fantastic. I cannot wait. He's going to blend him into mush. I think... Friend of the show, Faker McGuire, made a very good point today. He said that I think Dana's so coked up that he thinks Masvidal and Diaz are both going to win and he can somehow manage to get a double belt for baddest motherfucker and the welterweight championship on the same night. Somehow in Dana's head Connor's going to beat Dustin in the rematch and be the immediate first contender for the, for the BMF slash welterweight belt. 
don't think it's going to happen that way, Dana. I really don't. Uh, what else has been announced in the UFC world this week? Nothing much. It was a good card at the weekend. I, I had a, a very good time watching it. I stayed up for it accidentally. Because uh, the clocks went forward, as we all know. And uh, You know, when you when you feel like you've got an hour, you, you, you take the piss with it a wee bit. But, I think that's the UFC suitably covered. Except for former UFC fighter Ben Askren. Ah. Bringing the fight game into disrepute. Jake Paul's a stand-up guy. A nice bloke by all accounts. Really good dude. Humble as shit. And has dropped some of the best music of the 21st century. So for Ben Askren to show up talking trash. Throwing throwing pushes in press conferences. Do you not remember the last time what happened? When you were talking mad smack at a press conference, Ben? You got fucking flatlined in seven seconds. By a man who I hate slightly more than you. For a bloke that's friends with Uncle Chael, you really don't sit right with me, Ben Askren. I think the more I watch, the more I'm like, maybe Jake Paul doesn't have this. Because at the end of the day, Ben Askren was a a multi-promotion MMA champion. But he's so bad at striking. He's so, so bad at striking. It doesn't make any sense how Ben Askren could have fought at the top level for that long and still literally throw every punch like he's stuck in a fridge. It doesn't make any sense. He has no elbow mobility. He can't swivel at all. He's just straight up, shoulder square, throwing straight jabs. I think there is still a high chance Jay Paul could fucking walk him. I don't think he's going to finish him. But if I was a gambling man, which I no longer am, I've taken the the smart decision to retire from gambling unless the value's there. Or unless it's NFL DFS, which I will be back involved in very much so next year. But I'll be I'll be taking a small time away from gambling, uh, due to some, some bad beats that I'll I'll talk to you about. Uh I think the the smart money would be on Jake Paul still. Uh then Oh, fuck it. I may as well I may as well talk about football the Republic of Ireland what the fuck like what in the singular name of holy good fuck Liechtenstein really Liechtenstein and then in one of the, one of the many bad beats I've encountered I was convinced by a man who he did tell me he wasn't a financial advisor in fairness Harry Moss, he said to me last night, these odds seem very long for the Republic to beat Qatar. And I started thinking, you know what? He could be right, you know. He could be, he could be right. Even though I loved the draw 21 to 10, I was like, I don't know. Something about this Republic of Ireland, the 23 to 20, is just sitting right with me. Didn't, didn't quite work out. They're the worst team in world football. Stephen Kenny, I don't even think it's his fault. Like, he's a bad manager, yes, granted, but at the same time, what f- what fucking team does he have to select? Like, I honestly have no clue if that bloke could do anything with that team to win games. They're honking. They are an absolutely awful team. It doesn't make any sense how bad they are. 
Well, yes, it, it actually does make sense how bad they are. They've been pretty bad for a long time. Martin O'Neill just might be the GOAT. I shouldn't have brought up Martin O'Neill. Savko won the league. Their first league title. Congratulations to them. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to get off the board as a club. And Stephen Gerrard, you finally know what it's like now, mate. You know, you played as the third best central midfielder of a golden generation of English midfielders for your full career and occasionally managed to, you know, do a Herculean effort and lift a team to an FA Cup against West Ham. But now you, you finally know what winning a league title's like. And it's winning an SPFL title in a rigged league in a COVID season. So congrats, mate. Let's all give a, a hearty round of applause to old Steve. Uh, do you know, he, he might even come in and do an interview next week here. Uh, just some stuff to work out with uh, vocal warm-ups and him being a fucking cunt. I don't know if I... Oh, oh, oh. I hate a lot of blokes, especially in the sporting world. Steven Gerrard's right fucking up there. Right up there. Liverpool skipper. Who, who kissed the camera at Old Trafford. Uh, never kissed a never kissed a Premier League title. That's for that's for damn sure. He never kissed a Premier League title, but he he kissed the Sky Sports camera, so that's the same thing. Fucking clown. But you know, it's, you know, he's a Liverpool skipper. I'm never going to enjoy him. Then then he goes on to manage the Sevco. <laughs> he's going out of his way, and then I hear he's tipped for the Leeds job. Oh. The man's going out of his way to go to clubs I, I have a particular disdain for. So, Stevie G, if you want it on the on the Ben Askren Jake Paul undercard, you've got it. I'll show up and I'll only throw the straight left jab, but I'll I'll constantly be moving backwards. So you're gonna be you're gonna be caught on the break with a straight left jab about forty five times in one fight. I'm gonna outpoint you. I've given you away the game plan there, so feel free to get in the training ring next time you feel like it, and just get your team to send my team over a over a lucrative offer. I've actually I've got to I've got to be in training for another event at the minute because uh, my former co-host David McCann, who had to retire in disgrace after, well, we all know the accusations. Uh, he has put on the event of the year. We all know him as he was the commissioner of the night of the of the slaps in the Magla Street Garden. A magical night for all involved. He was a great promoter then. And he's decided to take his talents into the wee golf field. So the event is going to be... The main event is Dave versus Elon Musk. In a nine hole game of wee golf. Winner gets the other person's earnings from that week. The co-main... That's that's where you're 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 looking at. You want someone to get the crowd riled up, but you don't want to you don't want to overdo the main event. Well, I just might fucking have done. Me, Mark Zuckerberg, game of wee bowling, best of three. We were gonna do a step ladder match with me, him, Bezos, and that one guy the Chinese government allegedly made disappear. We've sacked it. 
We all know the two biggest names in that list. Me and Zuckerberg going head to head on the lanes. I'd love to get him to the Lisbon Clutch Bowling for this, like where I'd put I'd put up an easy two eleven and beat him in the first game. And then the second game I might slow up, bowl a one eighty, but Zuckerberg doesn't have that sort of scoring pace. The man's a fucking lizard. That's that's the event. It's gonna be put on by social gloves. The same people doing the TikTok versus YouTube boxing event. Where I'd still like to get in on that event too and fight one of those five foot eight, one hundred and forty pound dorks at the top of the card. Fuck. I'll I'll only swing shoulders. You know the way my fellow countryman Conor McGregor did invent the shoulder strike, so I'll only swing shoulders in the boxing match and I'll still even if you're wearing headguards, still taking your head off. Fucking 140 pound TikTok dancing fucking quiff no hairline having fucking goons. And that's every single one is a getting it. You're all fucking getting it. Me and Deji are fighting before the end of next year too. Ah, the world of sports, eh? Crazy. Sergio Aguero announced that he's leaving Man City at the end of the year. I'm very happy about this news because. The guy tore us apart on multiple occasions. However, Darren Beachball Bent came out and said, Where does Aguero rank in your all-time top five Premier League strikers? And then he provided his own list. Now, Darren Bent, he played in the Premier League for years. He played in the Premier League for years. You're going to assume... You know, if you've played in the league for that long and you play the position you are evaluating, you're going to have a bit of something about you. You're going to have a bit of an idea about who's good and who's a fucking overrated, gold-toothed, fucking, happy-go-lucky dickweed. Now, that... Well, Number one on his list was Henri which is correct you know I could see arguments whereby there are certain ways in which you can make the argument that there have been other better players in the Premier League that have since gone on to play striker i.e. Cristiano Ronaldo that are better strikers that have played in the Premier League than Henri but in terms of a Premier League striker no one is better than Thierry Henri second Didier Drogba. Huh? You can't... For a start... Drogba's main fucking thing... Is that he scores in all the finals. There's no Premier League final, Darren. There's no Premier League final. Also, it's a fake narrative. Yes, he scored in a lot of finals. He also blundered in a lot of finals. He was just in part of a very good team... That was in a lot of finals for a very long time. In 2012, his crowning glory against Bayern Munich when he scored an equaliser and scored the winning penalty to win Chelsea the most bogus Champions League of all time. People have conveniently forgotten the part where he gave away a stonewall penalty in extra time. That doesn't seem like a great finals player, does it? Add it to his other great Champions League accolade. His other Champions League final, once again for Chelsea, in the Luzinski Stadium in Moscow, on what Niall Murray, podcast host, regards to be the greatest night of his existence. 
I seem to recall. Did he hear Drogba getting sent off for slapping Nemanja Vidic? If Didier Drogba had been on the pitch, do you know he wouldn't have had to take a penalty? You're starting to... It's st- the gears are starting to wear up, listeners. Yes, that's right. John Terry wouldn't have had to take the penalty. He doesn't slip. Chelsea likely win the Champions League. But of course, Drogba's just such a great finals player. And what a goal scorer. Such as in 2011-2012 when he played 24 games and scored 5. Oh, what a goal scorer. But he was a sneaky, a sneaky provider at times. That season he had one. Oh. Wowie. And that was the season in which he had his greatest moment. That was the season in which Didier Drogba had his greatest moment. I'd take Darren Bent himself over Didier Drogba. That's an over-exaggeration, I wouldn't. I'll tell you who I would. Sergio Aguero. The player with the greatest minutes ratio to goals in Premier League history. The player who has the most iconic moment in Premier League history. The player who, had he remained fit for his entire time at Man City, would likely have blown Alan Shearer's record out of the water by now. But no, no. Take Diddy Drogba, because he was so he was such a difficult matchup. Apart from Arsenal centre backs, who thinks this? Yes. Drogba, great striker. Don't get me wrong, I am negative towards Drogba in the context of this list. Because I don't think he's a top five Premier League striker of all time by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even think he's particularly close, but okay. Drogba, yeah. Strong, powerful, could finish, fast, two-footed, could hit free kicks, could do everything. Just because he could, doesn't mean he did. Yes, he did it in 2009-2010. The season they won the league at a canter with Ancelotti the first season. He was unbelievable that year. He was absolutely fantastic that year. Did score an offside goal against United uh, to win them the league. But these things happen. He's not the second best Premier League striker of all time. Not by any stretch of the imagination. He never carried Chelsea to a Premier League title. He was often outscored by a fat central midfielder named Frank Lampard. Who was the best goal scorer on that Chelsea team, by the way. He was often the fifth best player in that Chelsea team. Given Lampard, Terry, Cole, Czech, then Drogba. And I'm the most anti-goalkeeper man on the planet. That better, that first of better check pre-head injury was far more impactful to a Premier League team winning games than Didier Drogba was. And I'm telling you right now, if you put Sergio Aguero into that team, he probably scores 40 goals a year. Then, third on his list, Ian Wright. Get the... Fuck off. In no uncertain terms, get the fuck out of here. Get to fuck. Ian Wright. Ian Wright, who I want to say played six Premier League seasons. Tops. And the last two were for West Ham. And I'm nearly certain he played about 15 games. It's just small small margin, small impact. If you're going to do something like that, put fucking Luis Suarez in your list. Put Luis Suarez, who actually set the league on fire. 
I do need I, I do need to look up Ian Wright's Premier League stats because it's going to piss me off. Yes, he was a great goal scorer for Arsenal, but Henri broke all his records. Ian Wright's best Premier League season was 23 goals. Put Kevin Phillips 2001 on this list then. If that if that's the criteria, Darren. I believe, you know, he's 20th all time in the Premier League top goal scorer list. Behind Robbie Keane and Nicholas Anelka. And tied with Romelu Lukaku, who played about four years and came into the league when he was about 12. But, sure, don't let that beat your narrative, Darren. You might have to work with him on Match of the Day 2 once and you'll be able to say, Ah, oh, Ian, you were, you were my third best Premier League striker of all time. That'd be a great... I'm sure you'll shake hands about that one, you two fucking dorks. I'm nearly certain you're fairly close to him in the goal scoring charts, Darren. And no offence, you're not in the top million of strikers I'd look at. Yes, seven goals behind Ian Wright is yourself, Darren. Fuck me. Ahead of, it, ahead of Ian Wright, you also have Jamie Vardy, who came into the league as a plumber. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who never gets talked about in all-time Premier League great strikers. He is one of them. Teddy Sheringham, who was 140 years old when the league started. Les Ferdinand, who also doesn't get talked about. Michael Owen, who had no knees from he was about 12. Jermaine Defoe, who just showed up randomly for every club in the league to score 8 goals a season. Robbie Fowler, who isn't being mentioned on my list because he's a coke fiend and you know how anti-drug I am. Thierry Henry, who rightfully was at the top of your list. Frank Lampard, who was a central midfielder and scored 60 more goals than your third best Premier League striker of all time. Then, at number four, a player who doesn't crack your list, Sergio Aguero. And see where everyone else, it says like, oh, they have a 0.4 or a 0.3 goals per game ratio. Sergio Aguero's is a 0.67 and he's been injured for a fucking heap of the last few years and had to leave games with injury. He has the best minutes per game of all time. Thierry Henry has a 0.68. Shear has a 0.59. Do you know who doesn't make your list either? Harry Kane who has already fucking blown Ian Wright out of the water despite playing for a crap Spurs team being the sole fucking focus of their team and setting up quite a lot of goals too he's at 9 on a .68 with 160 goals he's done it in about 7 seasons fucking Darren Bent you clown I'm not even certain Ian Wright would make my top 5 striker for Arsenal in the Premier League Emmanuel Adebayor had that absolute whirlwind season where they then lost him after the fact. Robin Van Persie is damn sure a better Premier League striker than Ian Wright ever fucking was. And it's not close. And I'm deliberately avoiding the topics of guys like Andy Cole because I am biased towards United players. And I'm avoiding Wayne Rooney because he only ever got to play one full season at striker and was the best striker of all time in that season. Don't get me started on how many times Wayne Rooney had the sweeping finish. A ball into the far corner in the 29-2010 season. It was majestic. I'm nearly certain in my house somewhere there is a United top with the black V. An elite United kit by the way. With Waza 10 on the back. Not Rooney 10. Waza. 
He was for the streets. The streets will never forget how good Wayne Rooney was in that season. Then, fourth on our Darren Bent's list is Wayne Rooney. I can give him it. You know, Rooney a really... I don't think he ranks as a striker for me. I think he plays more like... I think you really have to rate Rooney against guys like Zola and Burkamp, who he absolutely eviscerates. <laughs> I, I do like ranking him amongst those guys because they are all dog shit compared to him. Uh... And then, number five was the guy that has the most goals in Premier League history, but for some reason Darren Bent rates him less than Ian Wright. Fair enough. Hey, fair enough. The actual top five is as follows. You obviously can't rank them just as one... Like, there's no real way to rank Premier League strikers. Because you've got to look at legacy, their talent as a footballer, and their goal-scoring ability if you want to really get a grasp of how a player plays. So I think those are two, are three separate rankings. So for legacy, Henri's top of the pile. He has a statue outside Arsenal. He has the most golden boots in Premier League history. Part of an invincible team. The catalyst behind the invincible team. Holds the, the assist record in the Premier League and as a striker. He's a phenomenon was robbed of a Ballon d'Or about four or five times. So should have won a Ballon d'Or as a Premier League player. And should have won a Champions League for Arsenal as well. But, you know, these things happen. No, I think he's, he's a phenomenon. He's an outrageous goal scorer. All around phenomenal player. Has all the leagues and credentials to back it up. From a Premier League standpoint, I don't think anyone has a Pure legacy than Thierry Henry. The next two are fairly interchangeable in my viewpoint. Uh, and that is Sergio Aguero and Wayne Rooney. Aguero, the best foreign goal scorer in Premier League history. The best minutes per goal, as I keep saying. Has literally a day that broke my heart and the side panel of my dad's car. Because I ripped the windshield or the fucking window wiper off. The Aguero moment is the moment in Premier League history. Yes, Leicester win the league as a whole was a, a sort of bigger event. But if you're looking on a pure minute basis, nothing comes close. They won the league on goal difference in the final game of the season in the 90 plus 4th minute at Paddy Kenny's near post. The useless fucking prick. I don't want to talk about this anymore. He has a great legacy. Has golden boots. They could very well win a Champions League this year. That would be huge from a legacy standpoint. But just from a league standpoint, he's won heaps of leagues. Gold galore. He's one of the best legacies in Premier League history. And had he been able to stay fit, you're likely talking about him as second all-time top goal scorer at least. Heaps of Premier Leagues. But the reason why I'd be potentially inclined to swap my two and three is because the second guy does have a Player of the Year award and did win a Champions League and is the all-time top goal scorer for not only his club, which is the biggest club in England, and I'll hear nothing else apart from it, but also the top goal scorer for his country. But I don't know how that factors into Premier League legacy. That's obviously Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney has, obviously... 
Arsenal to league titles. Part of the team that knocked Liverpool off their perch. Scored the goal that saved United the league from the penalty spot against Blackburn. Scored one of the greatest goals in Premier League history with the overhead kick in the Manchester Derby. He's also got a massive Premier League legacy and will last for the ages. But I also struggle with ranking him as an out-and-out striker. As a talent, he's fairly up there with Henri, in my opinion. Then you've obviously got, at number four, Alan Shear. One Blackburn of Premier League. With Chris Sutton. People often act as if Shearer carried that team on his back, but has multiple 30-goal seasons, when 30-goal seasons were not that commonplace. And obviously all-time top Premier League goal scorer, has a league, has a Player of the Year award, has multiple golden boots. So Shearer's legacy is also fairly un- undeniable. So that's why he's my four. This list, I know I did slander him earlier, but this list is where you can argue Didier Drogba. Because he won leagues. He has a golden boot. But it's more the impact he had globally. As the first African to come in and score 100 Premier League goals. As the first African to really make a definitive impact in the Premier League. Yeah, Colo was part of the Invincibles and obviously ranked as a, a really good Premier League centre half, yeah, yeah, was phenomenal, but he came after, sort of. Obviously, not the first African player to make it big in the, on the global stage. Like, Wea will still hold that legacy, but Drogba was huge. He was such a big player for bringing more football in Africa. Where he ranks all time as an African footballer is actually for a different day. I'm going to do sort of the continental best players. When I get the chance. In other words, in a month and a half when I do the next podcast. So, the top five for legacy sick are Henri, Aguero, Rooney, Rooney, or Aguero. I'm not sure which way I have it. Sheer Drogba. In terms of talent, Henri, top again. The guy, was, the guy was an unbelievable playmaker too. And used to dribble past players for fun. And was as two-footed as one player can be. And used to just take the piss with it. Like the no look passes. The flick up volley against us. The guy was a joke. Second you've got Wayne Rooney. Rooney also a laughable talent. Has two goals. From his own half in the Prem. Which is just a bit of a. Like it's a bit of a joke. Including one in the half volley. When Rooney was angry he was god damn near unplayable I remember him finishing scoring a hat-trick against West Ham we won the game 3-2 and he got a 3-match suspension for swearing into the Sky Sports camera that was just the sort of player he was unplayable in his day but also would get in his own head and his own way more than any player I've ever seen plus he tried to leave the Man City four times so fuck him but once again a brilliant passer was willing to do whatever he needed to do for the team. He played left wing for years. He's played behind the striker. As I said before, he got one season as an out-and-out striker and fucking smashed it out the park. But he was happy enough playing second fiddle despite being revered as probably the best talent England has 
I'd say Wayne Rooney's the best talent England have had. Ever. Yes, obviously you have fucking, oh, Charlton and your Stanley Matthews of the world that are revered because they played when football was in black and white, but of the golden generation, you could argue someone, Terry's a phenomenal talent, but Rooney was the best English footballer. Obviously, I'm obviously a big Scholes proponent as well, but Rooney was the best English footballer I think they've ever had. Then, third, obviously talent is irregardless of amount of time spent in the league. So that's why my third is Luis Suarez. And as much as I fucking hate Luis Suarez, the guy was unbelievable. That season where Liverpool nearly won the league, he was utterly unplayable. There's arguments about him not stepping forward in the big games enough. I, I, I'm... Very much for that argument. And he also did cheat Ghana out of a wonderful World Cup run. The prick. And he is one of the most hateful fucking ball bags on planet Earth. But as a pure footballer, there's very few better. As just a pure talent, few touch Luis Suarez. Scored some of the most outrageous goals in Premier League history. All of them against Norwich, must be said. Even though he did... I think he, he ruined Fabio Colaccini's whole life against Newcastle with that goal where he took it out of the sky and beat him and rounded the keeper. It was utterly phenomenal. Fourth in this list is Aguero. I obviously, I think he's one of the most pure finishers we'll ever see. Utterly, utterly fucking predatory as a striker. As good a finisher as you'll ever see on both feet. But he lacks the playmaking that the others the others that I've mentioned have. Like all those players. Aguero, as much as he can beat a man, doesn't often create his own chances. But if you were to pick any player in this list and one shot they had, it would be Sergio Aguero at the near post. And fifth is obviously Dimitar Berbatov. I'm only being partially sarcastic. Like, the guy was fucking majestic. I've never had more fun watching football than watching Demi. But it's actually RVP, uh, who was an underrated passer of the ball and just one of the most phenomenal footballers you'll ever see. If he wasn't injured so much in his youth at Arsenal, you're talking about another player who could really be up there for that sheer goal-scoring record. He has... Only like 280 Premier League games played. And he was at Arsenal from 2005, I think. Maybe even earlier. But it it doesn't make sense how little the guy played. He had plastic ankles and a bit of a dodgy knee. But by fuck could he play the game of football. And then, where goal scoring is concerned, Sergio was number one. Sergio was number one. Best finisher I've... Maybe... In the Premier League, he's the, he's the best finisher I've seen. Second, Van Nistelrooy. Third, Henri. Because as much as I've said all the stuff about him being a playmaker, guy could just flat out score goals. And did it in absolute fucking spades for years. Fourth, Harry Kane. I know he hasn't won anything, but this is, this is the purely goal-scoring aspect of things. And the guy scores gold on both feet with his head. Can take set pieces. 
He's just an all-around striker. And fifth, once again, is Louis Dickhead Suarez, because he has one of the best minutes per goals in Premier League history. And wasn't really what you'd call, like, that sort of predatory striker. It was more of a playmaking striker. Uh, additionally, you could also view Premier League strikers by one different quantifier, and that's being a cunt. And on this list, we've we've got to give a firm congratulations to the joint top winners of Carlos Tevez and Luis Suarez. I hope you take this award and shove it up your mutual arses, you fucking dickheads. I hate you both with an absolute burning passion the like of which will never be seen for a thousand ions. I, I honestly, if it was just me, Luis Suarez and Carlos Tevez in a room with a baseball bat, Oh, I'd I'd be very happy. Uh, I'd also be going to jail for a very long time. And finally, on this week's episode, uh, I've made our American sports correspondent Harry Cleary wait for this. The Brooklyn Nets. Wow. Wow, fucking e. This week they added Lamarcus Aldridge to a team that already consists of Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin. They've also got solid role players like Joey Harris and Nicholas Claxton. This team is fucking stacked. This team is winning the NBA championship and I see no other way around it. The Lakers made a good move of adding Andre Drummond but at the same time the Nets have fucking everyone. Blake Griffin is washed, but LaMarcus Aldridge can still flat out play. I know Andre Drummond's a great rebounder and all the rest of it. and he can, He'd be able to score low in the post and he'd be a solid defensive anchor. But, by fuck, this team is good. Also, LeBron and AD are both injured. And I don't know how they're going to be for the playoffs. And I don't know where the Lakers are going to be seeding-wise. Their only hope is their path to the finals likely goes through the Clippers anyway. So that's a full home series, no matter what. But you're talking serious fucking issues for this Lakers team. Plus the Lakers must contend with the Clippers not having Boogie Cousins. Which has happened very recently. Uh, who is of course still a top five centre in the league and I'll hear nothing else about it. Now I have to say, I struggle to look past the Nets now. I imagine everyone else does too. And for my non-basketball listeners, I imagine you're going, why the fuck does this guy keep talking American sports? Actually, I'm more likely to get a message going, why the fuck was there a minute and a half on the bowling standings again? Because it's my fucking, my show. I actually haven't got any friends at the show topics this week. We had a few sent in for last time around. Because obviously, the last time I was supposed to do a podcast was the fucking 7th of March. So, I imagine those topics are now obsolete. We'll get a few in for next week's show. But, I am of course your host, Hugh Donnett. We are finally back on Flying Sisters Solo. And now that I'm back in the mix, I fucking, I will do more podcasts, I assure you. And Lewis Dale, you want to send some bars for me, kid? So I can fire some back.